With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. It is a beautiful day in Chicago. It is Saturday, January 9th, 2021. You are listening to the Northside Sox podcast, a subsidiary, an affiliate, a child, a, um, a youngling uh, of the Southside Sox podcast network. With me today is Sam Sherman. Uh, oh yeah, you probably want to know who I am. I'm Janice Gurrio. Uh, anyway, Sam, how the heck are you? Uh, we had a little bit of an extended break uh, where you didn't hear from us from quite a bit. Um, so we either uh, apologize uh, if you really wanted to hear from us. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't want to hear from us, then uh, uh, sorry about that um, because we're, you're hearing from us right now. But anyway, uh, Sam, how the hell are you? Uh, I'm I'm fine. Um, definitely had a had a nice and uh, restful little little holiday uh, season there. Um, you know, I think like everybody else, as the new year turned, um, and I uh, I know it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And I sort of uh, checked the scale, and I realized, oh God, I didn't realize it was it had gotten to that. And uh, you know, trying to. Um, trying to, you know, figure some stuff out there, but otherwise uh, very restful. It was, it was good for the mental health to get a couple of weeks there uh, with, you know, just kind of not quite as many obligations going on. How about, how about you, Janice? Absolutely. That is one thing I'm actually leaving in 2020 is a uh, scales scales for the birds. Just, yeah. Um, just leave that behind. So that's one of the things personally I'm going to do is uh, not hold myself uh, to that standard where I'm just like, oh yeah, my self-worth is kind of like nicely packaged in a number. No, no, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. I'm going to live my life and enjoy the things I love, which is food, food and, and, beer, yeah. and beer. Yeah. <laughs> like two things I love very much. And uh, yeah, we're not going to uh, pontificate upon uh, numbers on the scale or metrics. Um, I don't know. Maybe in a few years, my cholesterol will maybe uh, veer me towards that route in the near future. But until then, I am going to uh, get pizzas. Uh, so I had a tweet last night about I, I put Jardinera on a pizza and it's gotten about about 600 likes so far. Oh, so I, I guess I guess to tell you why people follow me is for <laughs> just like like pizza content. I also have a ring light too. Uh, so usually if I am taking pictures of my food, I put it on uh, in front of the ring light. So it's it's definitely not for vanity. It's it's not for my selfies. If anything, it's just to make my food look good and to. Uh, yeah, get that engagement. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. th there's there's so much that needs to be left behind in 2020, in my opinion. Uh, so things like like prospect hugging, uh, salary mm -hmm. dumping. I, I feel as if baseball as a whole uh, should leave that behind in 2020. But you know what? You know we're, we're nine days into 2021, and we're already seeing a lot of that crap already. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so to discuss uh, some very recent news, uh, so days after an attempted coup um, on, uh, <laughs> on our government, we are here discussing baseball, uh, so that's cool. Uh, I definitely needed to take a couple of days to uh, not uh, look up anything and not read any articles. Uh, it was just definitely a kind of day to kind of uh, disconnect and sort of uh, think about uh, the general direction in which uh, things are headed right now uh, it, when it comes to uh, the discourse 
uh, the political discourse. Uh, so uh, certainly uh, you mentioned mental health a little bit earlier. Uh, my personal mental health actually did take a little bit of a nosedive. Uh, so now that I am talking about baseball again, uh, I actually do feel a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that's uh, and and it's it's interesting. I I feel it's always like when uh, unfortunately you know over the past several months, year, all that when it there's been that that sort of uh, we've seen a see, seen so like these real social things happening in the world uh, alongside the the whole thing of sports being off for a little bit and then coming back and kind of figuring out how those things can you know, prioritize themselves in our society. Um, and I think it's been challenging. I mean, we saw even over the summer when we were covering the Sox, um, you know, that when they, there would be the same days that, that there would be, um, you know, protests um, against, uh, against, you know, police brutality uh, and things like that, there would be, you know, we'd be, we'd be covering Sox games, you know, when in the city of Chicago, there were these things happening and it was very, uh, it was quite frankly, you know, I'd love to be able to get to the park that day and just sort of say, uh, well, you know, here, here's baseball in an empty, in an empty stadium because of the global pandemic going on. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's not that easy. And I think it's important to just a quick note on everything too, that like, it, and this is just a thing I've been working on myself. And if anyone's listening that has been having a, a challenging time over the last, uh, you know, not just, uh, <laughs> 48 hours, but also the last year and, and everything. Um, it's, I've allowed myself to be okay. It's okay to understand that if you're not doing so great, if you're, if you're, if you feel like, um, you know, things are, are a little bit unstable mentally or emotionally, uh, it makes complete sense because <laughs> there's a collective trauma going on uh, in the United States and in the world. Um, and that's just including the pandemic, not including uh, everything else that's going on, um, uh, let alone what happened last Wednesday at the uh, Capitol uh, in Washington, D.C. So uh, it's all to say that I'm very happy, too, that we can talk a little bit of baseball today as a little bit of a, uh, an aside. But, uh, yeah, for anyone that's having a hard time, I think it's important to just note that um, – it's completely it, now telling somebody that it's understandable doesn't help, but I think it's also just to say that a lot, it's okay to allow yourself that at least in my opinion, because I've had to allow myself that quite a bit um, recently. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what's going on for me. And I think it sounds like for you too. Um, I've got the my room, the room is being lit by a therapy lamp right now. Just, it, it was blasting on me and then I had to sort of turn it and I'm not using it currently for that reason. I'm just using it for a little bit of light. <laughs> you know, whether it's a ring light lighting up some uh, jardinier on a pizza or a therapy lamp lighting up a dark room, <laughs> there is some hope here uh, on the North Side Sox podcast. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. I think one thing that's important to also point out is that uh, the protests in particular, and I, I remember, uh, yeah, just uh, being temporarily inconvenienced because I wasn't able to get to the ballpark because the protests were happening. But of course, when you kind of think about why the protests are happening, uh, yeah, not everyone has the luxury to be inconvenienced. And so what I mean by that is there have been plenty of people uh, that have been murdered by the police in particular that don't get to sit in traffic ever again. And I mean, that might sound flippant at you know face value, but it makes you think about just the nature of uh, life itself and kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't wanna get too in depth here, but of course, uh, uh, just like the, the greater value of life uh, overall that uh, yeah, just being late to work like one day, like is just, yeah, it, it's a mild inconvenience, but there is so what, what I'm trying to, I can't even talk here because I'm getting very upset by, of thinking about this, but uh, yeah, just being stuck in traffic, like pales into comparison uh, to uh, what um, a lot of uh, people in our country have to go through. And I, I, I know this was not what we were planning on opening up the, the, the show with, but I do want to make one more point just as it is White Sox related actually. Um, and, and I, you know, I promise, I think this is the only time 
we'll probably I'm, I'm probably going to mention Tony Larissa on this podcast uh, because he, as we all know, has become a very common theme. <laughs> but uh, one of the criticisms that you and I both had, and a lot of White Sox fans had, um, other than the you know second DUI uh, that Tony Larissa received, was that he has been in the past um, vocally outspoken against the uh, player protests, um, and 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 I think uh, specifically regarding Black Lives Matter and all of that. And I think that it's especially important to know now that um, when we talk, we've talked on past shows before about uh, accountability and, and holding, you know, and making sure that, you know, Tony Larusa can say now how he might feel about these things. And he's open to players um, protesting or speaking their minds. Um, uh, and I, I, I think it's, it's doubly important now to, to really remind people that you can't forget about these things. You can't forget what he has said. Um, you can allow him to grow from it. But you have to you have to see that that these things are um, not just said through words, but also actions. And that when, if and when players do decide to speak out or kneel for national anthems or whatever the case might be, um, Tony Larusa can't just uh, tolerate it. He has to uh, openly accept it and understand the importance of it. And the reason I bring that up is simply because we did did see on Wednesday, and I promise this will be the last thing I'll say before uh, we can we can jump in here. But uh, what we saw on Wednesday was the exact reason um, uh, that these conversations or one of the major reasons that the conversations and protests and discussions are so vitally important because what you saw was white domestic terrorists um, being allowed to uh, storm a, a United States you know, Capitol building um, That's with, right. yeah. with, with no opposition, um, with no uh, you know, no tear gas, no, uh, no, no beatings, no shootings, nothing like that. Right. Um, it was almost all, like they were encouraged. In, encouraged. Uh, that's then. That's the whole other separate thing of being encouraged by the president of the United States. But it's all to say that their only reason uh, that they were um, not met with force is because of the color of their skin. Uh, we know how that would have gone um, in, in another way. And I just and I know that some people might be listening now and saying, "How does that have anything to do with Tony Larusa and the White Sox?" Well. On its surface, not nothing, but if you go a little bit below, you can see that the importance of players continuing to speak their minds, like Tim Anderson, like Lucas Giolito, um, just specific to the White Sox, um, or outside of it, you know, our favorite Jack Flaherty, uh, the, these, these players need to continually be allowed to speak their minds and open, you know, and, and have open dialogues, especially with a manager like Tony LaRusso, who has been outspoken about that against these, these movements before. Um, so I just, I don't know. I just sort of think about that today a little bit. Um, and it's, it's, you know, as we, as hopefully more people are getting vaccinated and as we can move towards um, getting beyond sort of the, the pandemic um, and, and then, you know, maybe fans start to get allowed into sporting events and all that, we can't forget um, these things don't go away. These social issues don't go away. Systemic nope. racism doesn't go away. Don't. Uh, just, it doesn't go away with inaction. It, it's, it, Barely, you know, we're seeing now that even with action, it's 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 very challenging to, to for any change to happen. So, it's all to say that, um, it, if anything, these things should be, you know, players should feel as comfortable as possible and as supported as possible to speak out about all these issues because we're seeing firsthand um, these things play out right right in front of our eyes. So, anyway, that's my little <laughs> that's my little uh, spiel here on on a Saturday morning. And if anything, uh, yeah, it's, it's a learning experience for sure. Uh, so, and also a glaring example where uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who disagree that, uh, yeah, well, like if, if they were black, then you know, like it, it would have resulted in something entirely different. And uh, no, I mean, you definitely kind of have to uh, see the glaring difference between, uh, yeah, what happened at the Capitol and of course, like, uh, what uh, ha have happened at, uh, at numerous protests. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, so, actual baseball news. <laughs> <laughs> so, tangentially related. So, uh, the Padres have been making some waves lately, uh, acquiring Blake Snell from the Rays. And so, uh, we, we might have discussed this last time. I don't know if I'm like Mandela affecting this, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Rays uh, don't make bad trades. Trades, Well, maybe sometimes they do, but uh, overall they have a pretty solid trade record. Uh, Blake Snell, and then uh, without um, w without just losing uh, any beat, uh, they pick up Yu Darvish from the Cubs. 
in a little bit more of a shocking move. Uh, so uh, this is Northside Sox. This isn't Northside Cubs, but uh, <laughs> essentially a lot of Cubs fans were puzzled by this move, uh, just mainly because, uh, yeah, the, the salary dumping on on top uh, was probably the most puzzling thing for me. Uh, the Cubs only saved 13 million from this trade only. Uh, and there was a rumor saying that the Cubs were going to uh, shoulder a little bit of Darvish's salary. Uh, and that was true. That ended up true. So it wasn't a complete salary dump as well. So uh, yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, it was uh, kind of, I was getting a little bit of a secondhand grief watching lots of Cubs fans kind of mourn over <laughs> Darvish. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I am kind of hoping that uh, this isn't used as an example uh, league-wide. I, I did see a lot of kind of White Sox talk articles saying like, oh yeah, th th this is absolutely, like this could happen to us. Like, no, 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 no. Do not give anyone any ideas. Like, yeah. please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I know the exact article that you're talking about. I think that you had sent that to me originally. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the Cubs are, are you know, we, we experienced it. It's just, uh, you know, obviously uh, the Cubs have experienced it before their, uh, before their world, you know, years before their world series win. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a rebuild. Unfortunately, I think that a lot of Cub fans or unfortunately for a lot of Cub fans, it's sort of a stark reality when you have a combination of um, the, the owners, you know, crying poor as they always sort of do, but even more so because now they have sort of technical, I don't know if that's the word, but they have, they have excuses that they can use, even though we know that they're all pretty much bullshit. Uh, and, uh, and then you have to see players like, you know, you Darvish get traded away. And then the front office having to sort of say, well, no, it's not a rebuild. It's just a retool, which I don't think we'll ever really know the difference between those two things. It's not the rebuild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was uh, my, my crappy Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's, and it's, it's exactly, it's at least a rebuild considering they, they traded their, you know, ace of staff. Uh, they traded a, um, a, a, a pitcher who was, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball last season. Um, Someone who guy... arguably and probably should have won the Cy Young last year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. And, and he's 34, but I, I feel as if too many people cite that. Like, mm -hmm. so what? He's still good. You can be on the wrong side of 30 and still be a good player. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was as good as he's ever been last season. Um, and yeah, it, it's hard to say a retool when you get rid of one of your best players and you will be, you know, worse for it. Now I'm not saying that, you know, Jed Hoyer doesn't have a, a plan. Um, but I think that what is starting to settle in for a lot of Cub fans is that the plan is that they're going to strip it down and, you know, work from there it's a rebuild, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I don't, but again, that's all to say too, that I think it's just frustrating when you have to hear front and as we've experienced, when you have to hear the front office right. talking about mm -hmm. sort of justifying these moves and not saying that you're just trying to get rid of, you know, shed salary essentially um, or, right. or transfer all of that. Um, right. And the, the return uh, for the Cubs was even more puzzling. So uh, I believe it was two infielders, two outfielders. Uh, I, I don't have the information right in front of me. But I also just thought it was incredibly bizarre that they traded for a shortstop uh, the year after <laughs> they draft like a highly regarded mm -hmm. uh, prospect in uh, Ed Howard. So, uh, yeah, you're just incredibly puzzling move overall. Um, I was talking to my, my beer friend, um, uh, Jesus, uh, who works at the D&D uh, in Evanston. Shout out to Jesus in the rare event that you're listening to this. And so he, he actually was pretty excited for this trade. He was like, oh, yeah, well, well, you know, Darvish was getting kind of old. And I'm just <laughs> like, dude, dude, like he, he won the Cy Young. In my eyes, he won the yeah. Cy Young. Yeah, like he, he doesn't suck and he probably won't suck next year. So uh, I'm really happy that you're packing this away and kind of uh, <laughs> compartmentalizing this move. But dude, like uh, when the Ricketts own your team, I don't think 13 million uh, or at least a 13 million discount is really all that great. 
But anyway, uh, I will let you enjoy this. But uh, but that is enough Cubs talk, at least for now. <laughs> we might take more shots at the Cubs later. We might circle back. Uh, we'll actually, <laughs> actually, you know what? You know what? You know, let's just take another shot at the Cubs right now. Why the hell not? So uh, just moments before we started recording this podcast, uh, Kyle Schwarber has been picked up by the Nationals. Yes. So in a very kind of, you know, good for her type move. <laughs> uh, I believe the financials are one year, 10 million. Uh, so uh, again, uh, the Cubs cut Schwarber to save what? 7 million. He's getting his 10 million from the Nats. Good for him. Like so happy. Like I, I'm yeah. always pro player. Always, you know, just go and get your money. Uh, yeah, and I think the other side of this uh, may also be kind of fueled by the Mets willing to kind of um, uh, release some prospects and also spend some money too. So uh, that, that is also probably why the Nationals are like, hey, let's go ahead and uh, yeah, boost left field. <laughs> or right yeah. field, sorry. Right field, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they countered uh, Francisco Lindor with Kyle Schwarber. Natural, you know, natural <laughs> counter. <right there. laughs> no, but you're right. They had no, to do something. Just, yeah. Just filling the gaping hole left <laughs> by Adam Eaton. Oh, the Nationals yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, uh, did not pick up Adam Eaton. Uh, so, so, wait a minute. Who picked up Adam Eaton again? I, like, I know he was like, he, he was on no one's radar. Like no, no. one was talking about Adam Eaton because no one cares yeah. about Adam Eaton. Who picked him <laughs> up again? I can't remember. I, I, you know what? I, I couldn't tell you and it's, it, we should probably know, but you know, let's just uh, move on from that subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, nothing to see here. Let's move along. Like, wait, um, yeah, we were we were bashing the Cubs. So. <laughs> I, I want to say, uh, I want to say real quick, um, just, just going back to um, the, the Padres acquisitions in, in Darvish and, and Snell. Um, I think that there's, there's been there, you know, there's kind of this contention within the white Sox fan community where whenever the Padres do something, you know, Sox fans feel the immediate need to sort of counter those things because of uh, you know, various histories between the clubs um, I won't speak on specific ones, but you all know what I'm talking about. But it's just to say that I think that, um, you know, I look at it kind of differently now because the White Sox are finally a good team, which we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, so I'm kind of okay with that. I've, I'm at peace with the White Sox right now, at least the players on the field. Um, but honestly, I look at the Padres and I just say, that's good for them, you know, different league. Uh, so, you know, we don't have to play them, uh, which is which is a benefit, or at least play them uh, outside of a uh, potential World Series matchup, which is kind of a nightmare <laughs> to think about. <laughs> um, but, well, not the White Sox in the World Series as much as having to face a certain uh, a certain shortstop. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, good for them. You, you, that, that's a team that, that recognizes the things that they needed, and they went right out, and they attacked those needs. Um, they still somehow have, like, a good, like, top end of their farm system. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that happened considering acquiring two frontline starting pitchers. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, the Padres right. are, are, you know, but again, when you're facing the Dodgers as many times as they are in a season and that's, you know, that's your competition throughout the season uh, you have to do that. And, and if you don't, then you're just, you're not going to have a whole lot of success. So the Padres are stacking up for their, um, for their divisional divisional rivals there too. Yeah, you really love to see it. So uh, just kind of talking about some of the uh, fortifications. Is that a word? Fortifiers? Fortifi yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it is now. You know what? Yeah. Uh, the, the ways in which these organizations are fortifying their pitching staffs. Staffs? Like, what's the plural <laughs> of staff? Damn it. All right. So uh, I, I think... Uh, a great side effect, a great kind of byproduct of all of this happening is that these teams, uh, the Padres or the Mets, do not have to worry about signing Trevor Bauer, uh, who continues to be annoying as hell. Uh, so he wants 33 million AAV in a pandemic, after a pandemic shortened season. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I think that's, yeah, a, a little like, yeah, that's not, that's, first of all, it's totally not going to happen. Um, but to briefly acknowledge the uh, 
three ring circus that he and his agent have been putting on social media. I feel as if collectively all of baseball Twitter just kind of wants him to go away. Um, it's essentially just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm old school being sick of Trevor Bauer, but now I'm <laughs> like seeing a lot of people finally kind of succumbing and realizing that, Hey, this guy actually kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about, so, think about what it says to be just being Trevor Bauer and the sort of, um, uh, I'm not even just forget about the, the player Trevor Bauer, but the person, you know, having to, you know, you're, you're a, you're a free agent. Um, you know, that a lot of teams are wanting you. A lot of fan bases are wanting you. Um, and including, you know, the, the, the team that we do this podcast about now, not us too specifically, but there's a lot of fans in this fan base that, that do want him on the South side. But again, just think about sort of the way he's been treating these fan bases and, and literally trolling them about, oh, am I going to go here? Am I going to go here? You know, send me your favorite memes about me on your team or something. I'm not saying you can't have fun with social media and the fan bases or whatever, but he and his agent, you know, are sort of like just toying with uh, a process that, you know, I'm not, it's not like it's this sacred process, but again, I just, it's just a really childish thing that uh, doesn't really seem to have any other benefit other than to just sort of entertain a, a, a man child, um, a little, a little boy who uh, likes to play with drones and, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and is fascinated by, uh, you know, 420 and 69 and all that, you know, that's what he is. He's, he's big, big, uh, right. big brain and, internet boy. <laughs> and, and, and still kind of milking Harambe jokes like five years mm -hmm. later. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You're, you're definitely right about like free agency definitely is not some sort of holy process. I mean, it's not that you can't have fun with it, but just the constant trolling and uh, yeah, it, it's, actually come at the expense of a lot of people who don't want him on yeah. their team. And yeah, there are perfectly sound reasons as to why um, you might not want Trevor Bauer on your team, baseball reasons in particular. Uh, so not that he's, you know, an asshole. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't want him on my team because he's an asshole, but I also, you know, think his, you know, baseball ability is also somewhat questionable as well. But enough about me. Uh, he certainly, he, he actually retweeted a friend of mine and had, uh, had his followers go after her. And let me tell you, uh, that is no fun. So the only thing that tells me that that tells me is that, you know, he's pretty thin skinned and can't really take any criticism. Uh, and to kind of compare that to what I've seen on the comments of a lot of other players, namely Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman will post a photo of his dog and say that he's having a great day, and there will be some racist trolls telling him to go to hell. Um, there's definitely a stark difference there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when a lot of people ask me, so like, what problem do you have with Trevor Bauer? And I'm like, that is my problem, is that he seems to be completely unaware that he's an asshole uh yeah and uh yeah uh, a lot of uh fans enable this behavior and it sucks yeah it does and uh him um uh harassing young women on social media is unfortunately uh something that has happened several times <laughs> through over the last couple of years yeah yeah, yeah multiple, so. multiple times yeah 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 um but, you know, uh, I think going back to your original point with with uh, the the teams fortifying their these various teams fortifying or uh, their starting pitching staffs um, does make it so, you know, uh, Bowers suitors will be limited, especially in, in a market that doesn't seem to be throwing out a ton of money or resources at uh, players, let alone thirty three million dollars. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I do wonder, as it kind of comes down to it, that. You know, I wonder not that not that this is going to be the guess where Trevor Bauer's going to go show, but because God, that sounds horrible. <laughs> but uh, but it, it does. Jesus it does Christ, wonder, no. Yeah, it makes you wonder how many people are going to be left uh, for his services, especially if he's truly sticking with that with that uh, financial figure. Um, which hey, you know what, Trevor? If nobody gives that to you, um, just don't play. Don't worry about it. You know, you should stand your ground. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> hold out, hold out for that money. And exactly. I know I'm like completely like just counter uh, counteracting myself earlier. I said that I was all pro player that I was like, go get your money. Uh, just not him. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think we're still I think we're still being pro player. We're saying we're so pro player that we're saying if you're not going to get exactly the amount that you feel you deserve, then sit out this season. Just I love even, that. You know. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, maybe um yeah, KBO might be able to dish out that kind of money. Abs- so. Absolutely, yeah. Bauer to the Samsung Lions. <laughs> Do it. The hashtag hashtag Bauer to the Samsung. <laughs> I like that. Alrighty. So, uh, yeah. And now that, uh, you, you all have been reminded of my dislike for Trevor Bauer, we are going to take a short little break to, uh, put some words from our sponsors in your ear holes. And when we come back, uh, well, we might actually discuss White Sox stuff. <laughs> well then, and we will see you in a little while. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, did you miss us? No? Okay, cool. All right, just checking. (laughs) So, we discussed a little bit about uh, some of the uh, recent off-season transactions throughout Major League Baseball. Uh, So, the Mets have Lindor uh, and Cookie from Cleveland. Good for them. Uh, For a handful of prospects, uh, Cleveland fans were not very pleased with this. Uh, So uh, now that we kind of gently segue towards more specific White Sox talk, uh, I think the point that we really need to drive home is that uh, Francisco Lindor being out of the AL Central does not make the White Sox a better team. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, uh, now that Lindor is gone, uh, I will certainly miss his lovely blue hair. Uh, I, I, I won't miss Lindor generally. I think he's a lovely person. <laughs> Actually, once I take off my White Sox hat, I think he's a lovely person and lovely player. But I do not like it when he is killing my team. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, I feel as if, uh, yeah, the, I, I do not want to quantify or even just qualify uh, that move as being beneficial to the White Sox because, as we discussed earlier, Sam, uh, if the White Sox are going to get better uh, from any player leading Cl- uh, Cleveland, it definitely has to be Ramirez. Like if, if, if he left yeah, the AL Central, I would be so happy. If if Jose Ramirez has ever recorded an out against the White Sox, I have not seen it. Um, I feel like, <clears throat> you know, for, for fans uh, that, that watch, you know, a majority of, of the games, anytime that the Sox play Cleveland, uh, it's almost like a requirement that Jose Ramirez has to go you know, uh, anywhere from three, four, five hits, something like 14 RBIs a game. It's just ridiculous. That guy loves, loves, he's a great player. So he beats up on a lot of, a lot of teams, but it seemed, but because we see him quite often beats up a lot on the Sox. Um, but no, you're right. Um, you know, Francisco Lindor leaving Cleveland, um, you know, makes, makes Cleveland uh, a, a worse team, but no, that does not mean that the White Sox, you know, Rick Hahn and, and Kenny Williams and company do not get credit uh, for improving their own roster <laughs> because a divisional rival uh, loses. That's their own deal. And, and again, it'll be, you know, it, it, yes, lessening, you know, a, 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 a divisional rival getting rid of a, a player like Lindor, um, is is it's a it's a good thing you know for the for these uh, head-to-head matchups obviously um but no it the idea that oh now you don't have to go sign now now the Sox don't have to go sign anyone else because of this uh is ridiculous don't let any um any uh twitter account or news organization tell you that So, uh, yeah, uh, that's where I like to bring up my personal motto, which is worry about yourself. 
which yes. is essentially a, a paraphrased Drake lyric, but uh, don't want to give Drake credit for anything. Uh, because I don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't even write his own music. Well, he does now, and that's why it sucks. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I was listening, to, to, I was to, listening <laughs> to Views this morning. I was, I've just been, uh, I listened to, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was listening to Keep the Family Close. I love that song. Did he write it? I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, He he did not. He did not write it. Yeah. Views is a pretty solid uh, pop album, I do have to admit. Um, Yeah. And also, too, I think uh, the beat to nonstop, I think, is one of the most fantastic things ever. But, yeah, yeah, this isn't Northside (laughs) Music Podcast. This is Northside Socks. But, uh, yeah, I was saying uh, worry about yourself. Uh, So uh, if... uh, Lindor is out of the AL Central, that's whatever, but there are still plenty of other Sox killers that remain, uh, Jay Ram being one of them. So uh, in that regard, uh, yeah, it's time to definitely kind of make the adjustments to the pitching staff. And so uh, in a couple of athletic articles written by James Fegan, I did see that uh, our, our boy, uh, Ethan Katz, uh, who is slowly becoming my favorite White Sox coach, if he isn't already, actually, <laughs> uh, working hard on improving uh, both Dylan Cease as well as Reynaldo Lopez. So that back end of the rotation, uh, getting the Ethan Katz treatment, which I think is fantastic. If all five White Sox pitchers can just bring themselves to a high level of production like that, then I don't think we have to worry about uh, players like Ramirez just clobbering us and uh, like walking off games, uh, especially near yes. uh, the the end of uh, the end of the regular season and encroaching on the postseason. So, <laughs> yeah, not to bring up any old wounds here. Uh, <laughs> definitely still not bitter against Ramirez. Totally fine. Totally healthy relationship between uh, between there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's 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 tough to think about that, but hey, you know what? Carlos Rodon is now a former former White Sox uh, pitcher, so that's all I'll say there. <laughs> hey, but uh, uh, they they did say that uh, they were going to uh, keep in touch, kind of the equivalent of uh, "we'll keep your resume on file for a year." <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I really do. Quick side note: I really do hope that uh, Rodon just signs at least. Um, a minor league deal uh, yeah, somewhere. I, I really want to see him succeed. I, 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 I like, yeah. want to see him bounce back. Every every single time. Ex- I was just going to say, every single time that he would come back from injury, we were, I think, I don't know if there's a Sox fan out there that didn't want him to succeed. I mean, we've seen early, especially early, early excuse me, early in his career, we've seen um, the stuff that he has uh, and had. Um, and I think that, you know, he – I don't know what his role would be if it's, if it's uh, you know, long relief or something, you know, later in the bullpen or maybe still a starting pitcher. But um, I think the talent could still be there if he could just stay healthy. It's just a shame um, for both parties that it, that it, it didn't ultimately work out here in, in Chicago. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, yeah, kind of to segue towards that closer situation. So uh, the White Sox have been whispered to be in the running for Liam Hedricks, according to Jeff Passan and Robert, uh, Robert Murray um, had word along with Heyman. So, uh, yeah, I think this is probably going to be my top selection if the White Sox are going to sign an elite closer. Uh, I think Hendricks is certainly it. And, uh, yeah, the numbers are certainly uh, elite. So uh, looking at a couple of things here. So just last season in 2020, he threw 24 games, uh, 25 innings with a strikeout rate of 40%. A walk rate was 3%. With a 178 ERA, 114 FIP, FIP. Uh, So, uh, yeah, these stats, by the way, are coming from uh, James Fox's article on Hendricks. So shout out to James there for this fantastic cohesive article. Yeah, James. So, uh, yeah, that is perhaps at the top of my closer wish list. There are a couple of other great options, too, uh, if the White Sox decide to resign a column A. Yeah, I I would also be a big fan of that as well. So, uh, yeah, your thoughts on Hendricks versus uh, Colome there? Yeah, so we were texting a little bit about this, and and, um, 
uh, last week. And I, you know, I, I never had any issues with Alex Colomay. We've talked about him on the, on the show before as someone who, you know, he makes you sweat a little bit, but really almost every time out, he would ultimately close, you know, get the job done. Um, and again, yeah, the biggest, you know, biggest critique against him would be, well, aside from that, he, you know, make, make, makes you worry a little bit uh, when he's in there is, you know, he does not have that overpowering stuff. Uh, but it has been extremely effective for him, even with the, with the stuff that he's got. He, he has really, really good control. He really just looks the part of a guy that's coming in and closing out games, doesn't ever really get rattled, has a very short memory, um, all those things that you want to see. So I would have no problem if the White Sox had a reunion there. Um, that being said, uh, I think that, you know, Liam Hendricks would probably still be a little bit ahead just because I do like um, that – the, the, the stuff that he brings specifically um, the higher velocity stuff coming out of the bullpen like that. Um, we saw what he could do in that playoff series uh, specific, specifically after throwing like 90 pitches in, in the first, in that first appearance <laughs> and then coming out to everyone's surprise, even pitching the day after throwing that many pitches and somehow uh, just shutting the white Sox down. Um, he showed something there, but yeah, uh, I would be okay. We were saying, you know, when we were, communicating about it uh totally fine honestly with both options but yeah i'd, I'd probably prefer hendrix just for the fact that um he's reinvented himself into this you know flame throwing uh really really effective but you know, one of the best relief pitchers in, in the game obviously and uh the money uh, was told we were told that the money would be spent and um i think last time i checked they were something around 16th in payroll or something like that maybe even uh, less, I don't remember exactly, but there's still money to be spent. CC. Absolutely. Rick yeah. Hunt, Kenny Williams. <laughs> Jerry Ryan's <Reinstorf. laughs> Especially because there was some early speculation that, uh, yeah, the discount uh, pickup of Adam Eaton would uh, result in more money being invested in mm-hmm. a high-end closer. So while, while I don't agree with that sentiment, um, at face value, uh, <laughs> I would actually like to see that being implemented. Absolutely. So yeah, if, if, if we are going to kind of dip into the bargain bin and uh, just pass up uh, many, many great options that we could have had in right field. Uh, yeah, I, I would really like to see that financial flexibility applied to the closer role because closers are really hard to find. And uh, yeah, when you find a closer uh, that is effective, definitely throw money at them. So uh, that being said, I'd like to present one other option in Brad Hand. So uh, yeah, I, I feel as if he'd be another great option. Uh, last year, 23 games, 22 innings pitched, uh, 33.7% walk, uh, not not walk rate, that would be awful, uh, <laughs> strikeout rate. Uh, does not really walk a lot of guys either, a 4.7% walk rate. Uh, so he's got a, t- a 205 ERA, uh, 1.37. I, when I talk about stats out loud, it's, it's, it's always so weird. I don't know what they're to say. Uh, 1.37 or 1.37. Anyway, you get the, you get the gist. You, you, you get the idea. So anyway, uh, yeah, he was really good last year. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think this is a detriment as to why the White Sox shouldn't sign Hand, but uh, the White Sox hit him especially well last year. So his ERA versus the White Sox in particular, 7.71. That's, that's wow. Uh, but in his ERA versus everyone else, 0. 0.52, 0. 0.52. Uh, so thanks to uh, Chuck Garfine for that stat. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he did do well when it mattered, though. Uh, so in the final week, uh, he pitched three scoreless innings in three games with five strikeouts and two saves. So uh, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe uh, that's on the upturn. But otherwise, I think Han would be a fairly, a fairly viable option uh, in the closer role, too. Yeah, it's, and it kind of seems like that's probably where this might be headed based on... Um touting from certain regional sports networks uh, that seem to have a pattern of, of it's just, it's not a criticism. It's just a pattern of behavior. You know, it seems like when certain regional sports networks start to uh, get the fan base 
uh, pumped up about players like Adam Eaton, um, it usually is followed <laughs> by uh, that move happening, um, which in that case it did. But honestly, the, the good thing with the hand, um, the good thing with the hand uh, potential signing is that I, you know, and, and you, you spoke to a lot of the points there. I think it would be a perfectly good signing. Um, would it be, you know, as good as, as uh, Liam Hendricks? No. Uh, and don't let anyone nope. tell you that, uh, you know, whether they're showing you blind um, stats or not, uh, or player A and B, C comparisons or not. Uh, but no, it, hand would fall behind uh, Hendricks and Colome for me. Uh, but by no means do I think that would be a, um, a bad signing. Also, I think this is probably where just to transition into what I think we're maybe about to talk about. Um, go ahead. And, and if you sign Brad hand uh, by no means should that uh, stop the white Sox from making some other moves. And I think you have a pretty good list of names for some other possibilities uh, out there. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of the names that had been kind of thrown around white Sox Twitter uh, because yeah, acquiring too many good players is the good thing. <laughs> Uh, so uh, one name that has been tossed around is Colin McHugh, uh, who sat out uh, all of last season, I believe. I don't remember what exactly. I, I do know he was injured. Um, I don't remember the exact injury. But, uh, yeah, kind of looking at his numbers. Uh, so let me see what I got here. His, his last uh, year, uh, in 2019 was the last year, he pitched for the Astros. So what we've got here in 74 innings, uh, he's got a 9.88 K9, a real reliever that's pretty decent, mm -hmm. uh, 38% ground, ground ball percentage. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think, uh, yeah, especially in middle relief, I can kind of see him uh, in that sort of role. Uh, but again, he hasn't played in so long. I believe the last whisper was that he was throwing a, sh a showcase session, showcase session for multiple teams. Uh, so perhaps, um, perhaps yes. Uh, also born in Naperville, Illinois, which I just read. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not know that uh, he was a local guy. But I so. think he, just for what it's worth, and I am just looking at this on Wikipedia, but born in Naperville, but went to high school in Georgia. So maybe jumped around a little bit. Who knows? But yeah, I'm sure that that would be something discussed on uh, the broadcast quite a bit if you were brought to Chicago. <laughs> uh, much, much <laughs> yeah. like. Did you, you did know. you know that? Yeah, exactly. Did you know that Colin McHugh was born in Naperville? So that'll be the next. Uh... But Janice, did you know that Charlie Tilson went to New Trier? Went to New Trier. <laughs> yeah. Yes, anyway. I, can't, I cannot wait. I, I cannot wait for that to be drilled into my head. All right. <laughs> Uh, so beyond uh, the baseball stuff, uh, Colin McHugh is also uh, very vocal in uh, speaking uh, in supporting uh, the minors and uh, minor league players. So uh, he went on the Tipping Pitches podcast not too long ago, kind of discussing uh, the importance of uh, unionizing the minors. Uh, so uh, definitely cool to have uh, more guys that kind of think like that um, on our team. Uh, so uh, again, like not... Uh, super uh, crucial in the scope of baseball, but always cool again to have guys like that. Or at least counter the ones that don't feel that way specifically about the minor leagues uh, in like recent acquisitions um, in Adam Eaton, who, you know, he, you know, he's a, he's, he's scrappy. So he liked sleeping on, on floors and not eating for, you know, a couple of days. Cause that's, that's apparently the way to, uh, I don't know, become <laughs> grindy or something not get paid for yes, your work exactly. fairly. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not being paid fairly for your work builds character. <laughs> uh, I think, I think it's just a quick, quick side note on that. I feel like uh, any player who is currently making like at least a million dollars, they cannot speak to anything like about like their minor league experience being positive considering um, they have made it to the point where they're getting uh, that, you know, that kind of wealth. Um, and hey, you know what, Adam, that's great that that was your experience, but that should have nothing to do with the experiences of so many minor league players who unfortunately uh, will not uh, see that kind of money in their careers um, without 
so you know any kind of changes made at that level but that's a conversation for another day it's all to say that that uh, McHugh coming in and being a counter voice to that would be nice and i think that's all we're trying to do these days piecing together a white Sox roster just countering uh the the good the bad opinions with the good opinions <laughs> and maybe <laughs> finding some kind of balance there absolutely so uh, someone else that i think the white Sox uh, should uh, certainly uh, look into is uh, someone else with very good opinions, and that is uh, Sean Doolittle. Yeah. So being a lefty, uh, so he would uh, certainly kind of have to uh, share innings uh, with the likes of Jace Fry and Garrett Crochet, assuming Crochet um, remains in the bullpen, um, not uh, regarding uh, the plans that the organization had for Crochet. But uh, Doolittle's 2019 was really fantastic. So uh, in 60 innings, uh, his record was 6-5. And yeah, I'm looking at fan graphs. So it's like incredibly just <laughs> all over the place. So, uh, so yeah, had a 405 ERA, was a, let's see here. I'm always like, always looking for things like strikeouts. But of course, like in the heat of the moment, I'm like, why didn't I just copy and paste this onto a document? But, uh, oh, here we go. Now that I have uh, flailed around on fan graphs, 66 strikeouts in 2019. Uh, that wasn't his career high, though. His career high was 89 with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, yeah, I think as I think if uh, Doolittle returns to his 2019 form, uh, I feel as if, yeah, an extra arm is always good to have. Your thoughts on Doolittle? I like him. Um, I think I think it's it's certainly a probably you know cost effective option that they can bring in but i think even more than that um definitely one of the more positively outspoken players in the league for uh social issues and specifically what he spoke about prior to this season with baseball coming back in a pandemic um i'm trying to remember the exact quote uh but um what was it sports returning is is the should be the reward for a functioning society or something like that i think that was him who said that uh or something along it was, the lines yep. of it yeah uh, he was very right about that. Um, but, uh, but in any case, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it's, that these are that bo both McHugh and Doolittle should be guys that, you know, if they bring in, uh, if they sign Liam Hendricks, again, this isn't about what they can actually do, but what they probably would do. If they sign Hendricks, I'm sure that you wouldn't see some of those kind of rounding out players, but if you sign hand or column a, um, I think you have to, you have to just continue to build that depth in the bullpen because, Every season, you know, we see uh, bullpen pieces kind of coming out of nowhere sometimes, um, and it's not always expected, you know, who's going to perform and who's going to underperform. So the more that, the more bodies you can kind of throw out there, uh, the better. And I think that the ones that you named in McHugh and Doolittle are two that um, are, are certainly beneficial for, for bringing in and, and giving an opportunity to. Yeah, absolutely. And Doolittle already lives in Chicago, actually. So the, that oh, I didn't even know that <laughs> is yeah. Uh, his wife uh, is is a White Sox fan, actually. Uh, so I, I believe uh, I, 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 I follow her on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she has said that uh, yeah, the White Sox were uh, her team uh, growing up. So that's that's pretty cool. And yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I know um, a lot of people uh, on White Sox Twitter will definitely kind of take take the uh, vaguely misogynistic. Uh, oh well, his wife uh, is controlling uh, where he signs, and <laughs> this is probably yeah. one instance where I would be okay with that happening. But of course, um, the Doolittles do not believe in gender roles, which I I, I do not either. To clarify. So yeah, uh, yeah. If uh, the whole <laughs> if the whole partner card can certainly be played here uh, to our advantage, uh, then that would be fantastic. Wasn't it? Was it Zach Wheeler that when he signed uh, out east, it was because everyone started blaming his wife because his wife's family lives yes. there, as though he's not. That was I didn't really process it at the time, but I, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like in retrospect that was pretty problematic. Uh, how that was sort of a lot of fans were blaming a player's wife because her family lives in a region where he ended up 
signing. I don't know. There's something. Yeah. There's something yeah, that's yeah. a little, uh, little makes me a little uneasy. <laughs> we also, yeah, we also saw that too uh, in Hendricks because apparently uh, his wife is Canadian. Uh, so as soon as uh, Hendricks, I believe, uh, had a meeting with the Blue Jays, of course, everyone's decided to kind of jump on his wife, which I thought was, yeah, very problematic and yeah. just. <laughs> I, I, oh. I said it's vaguely misogynistic. It, it probably is very misogynistic, actually. <laughs> you know, I will just on a side note because we we've talked about this before, and I don't even know on the podcast, but certainly texted about it. But um, I believe too the other big reason why I would love love Liam Hendricks on the South Side of Chicago, probably above everything, is he has just a very great head of hair, um, and the White Sox <laughs> are a team with some really good heads of hair. And uh, I think that it's very uh, under, undervalued um, throughout just, just, just how big of a contribution his, his, um, his head of hair would have on that, on that team. Every time he takes off his hat, I'm just like, that's just glorious. <laughs> so that's, that's all <laughs> I have to say about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He'd definitely be up there with uh, Giolito. Lucas Giolito also has some fantastic hair. You uh, Darvish, I think uh, is up there. Great hair. Yeah. Like fantastic hair. A uh, Tyler Glass now. Uh, it's just uh, like his, his hair is so fantastic. I I have and like a very uh, a very real attraction to baseball players taking Tyler their hats Glassnow. off. Well, Tyler Glass now, yeah. Of course, <laughs> but but also just like when play, when baseball players take their hats off and like the hair just kind of flows out. It's like that's one of the hottest things to me. And specifically, uh yeah, Glass now is is very hot for reasons even outside of his hair. He's like <laughs> just very tall, great shape. I'd imagine. I've mean, never seen him, you know, outside of his baseball uniform, but I'd have to imagine he's an athlete. Absolutely, uh, just tall, yeah. sculpted, <laughs> long, flowy hair. He yeah. hates Martin Shkreli. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Ex ex exactly. Yeah, just all fantastic traits. Absolutely, yeah. why you should love Tyler Glass now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I believe that is what like three straight podcasts I have like talked about Tyler Glass now now. For like... We're gonna keep it moving <laughs> until he's until he's pitching on thirty fifth and Shields. Uh, uh, then I think we're gonna have to keep the drum the drum beat on that one. Um, because uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna make something day. up and call it yeah, call it the Glass Now Challenge, the Tyler Glass Now <laughs> Challenge, and just like somehow mention him in every single podcast. Like I don't know, it could be like a, a Civil War podcast or something. I just be like. I... <laughs> I think we actually, I think, uh, you know, we'll have guests on this show at some point here soon. Um, I think I we got to figure out, maybe? yeah, we got to figure out a way to get him. You know, Janice, that is if you can control yourself. <laughs> and oh my to be fair, if I can control myself, because, <laughs> you know, if we can both control ourselves, then I think we got to get Tyler Glass now on the podcast. Hey, Tyler Glass, now would you like to come on a White Sox podcast? <laughs> I, you know what? I feel like he might. I don't know how to get in touch with him. We do. <laughs> we do. I mean, I mean, we do talk about more than White Sox stuff. We do talk yes. about music. So, yeah, we did, we did do a little um, dissing of Drake earlier. Uh, I do know that Tyler Glass now is a hip-hop fan. I believe he's specifically a Wu-Tang fan. Um, mm -hmm. Well, but, if anyone, uh, if any yeah. of our listeners have a tie, no, no Tyler Glass now in any way. This is an open, uh, an open ask to see, uh, get Tyler Glass. Now he may never pitch on the south side of Chicago, but maybe one day he will appear on the north side, Sox podcast. Maybe. <laughs> Yo, Sam, you there? Oh, I may have frozen here. Just a second. Hey, welcome back. Hey, that was uh, strange. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like um, yeah, but uh, yeah. You were, were talking about recording. Tyler Glass. Yeah. So yeah, like, I don't know. You Tyler Glass and just. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening through the through the uh, you know, the 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 wavelengths of the universe. But in any case, um, yeah, we'd love to have him on the on the show at some point here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, it totally would not be weird. Uh, we would talk about <laughs> hip hop and baseball all day. He yes. can tell me about his, he can tell me all about his slider, which is a hard change up uh, or, or I'm sorry, a hard curveball because I've watched that video so many times <laughs> on, on YouTube. 
But yeah, we have plenty of things to talk about with Tyler Glass yes. now. Um, and more than just his luxurious flowing head of gorgeous hair. Yes. But anyway, now that we have completely bored and or <laughs> incredibly angry with our Tyler Glass now propaganda, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we have here today on Northside Socks. But uh, anyway, thank you as always for getting this far uh, and yes. listening. And definitely follow us on social. So on Twitter, uh, find us at Northside Socks Pod. You can follow me uh, in, in uh, specific if you want to see all my pizza photos at Scuriosa, spelled S C U R I I O S A. Uh, anyway, uh, Sam, any final last words before we sign off today? Uh, my final wor- last words are, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, everyone take care of yourself, do what you got to do to, uh, to find that balance and, um, you know, go easy, go easy on yourself, uh, listeners and non-listeners. Um, I hope that that mes- message resonates through the universe a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some, uh, some moves here to talk about in the coming weeks, uh, that are white Sox or non-white Sox related, because you know that if a divisional rival makes a move that has, uh, pot that could very potentially have positive impacts on the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> anyway, be well, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>